We're in a series called The Reality of Life. And life is meant to be lived, come on, with profound significance. I don't know, some people think that life is just something where you get up every day and you kind of make it through and you muddle through and just do the best you can. But that's not the life that God has for you. God has a life of profound significance for you with deep fulfillment. We face the reality of unexpected things. Of course, there are disappointments and there are setbacks, but those are only setbacks if you allow them to set you back. Or you could use them, come on now, as not as stumbling blocks, but learning tools to go further in the Lord. Come on. He wants us to have a fulfilled life, family, friendships, achievements, a life blessed by God. John 10.10, 10, the, the enemy comes, what? To steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, but I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. He cares for you. He cares for you. So we started out in this series just sort of talking about life and what life is. And then we talked about life paths. Come on. Life has many turns and crossroads and forks in the roads and decisions to be made. Sometimes it seems like there's a dead end and paths that look right, but they're actually the wrong path. And so God would tell us, choose your path carefully. Come on. Because God has set before you paths of greatness, favor, Paths of significance, paths of purpose, paths of abundant life. But we have to be able to listen. We have to be able to discern. We have to allow God's word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Come on. Where you are today is a result of life decisions that you've made. It's where, that's where you are. We, can't, we want so bad, and I'm just like everyone else. I want so bad to blame it on this, and hey, my dad wasn't around that much, and I wish somebody would have told me, you know, that an engineer is more than the guy who does the thing on the train, you know, that there are people who draw, you know, and I, I wish somebody would have told me that, and I just, I, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, and this happened. You want to blame all of those things. But at the end of the day, we must realize that where we are today is a result of decisions that we've made. Now, that's not something to put you down. It's just a reality. It's just who we are and where we are. We are here because we've made decisions. But guess what? You're still alive and you're still breathing. And there's opportunity to look in the word of God and say, I'm going to make a decision that God has before me. And my tomorrow now will be different than my today. I can't change today, but I can change tomorrow. And then last time we talked about some basic keys to making wise decisions. Like, what does the Bible clearly say? Don't, don't try to make it what you want it to say. I talked a little bit about, I saw this cartoon one time where this little boy was laying in front of the television. TV was off, but he was reading through the Bible, and his sister walked through the living room and said, I've never seen you read the Bible, especially this much. You've been looking through it for an hour. What's going on with you? He said, well, I'm trying to find some scriptures that line up with my theology. Come on. We don't want to look through the Bible and find scriptures that line up with our theology. What does the Bible clearly say? Come on. Do I have a clear inner witness? There's a purpose for an inner witness. The Holy Spirit gives us an inner witness. 
When you make a decision, does this harmonize with my personal desires given by the Lord? Or is this thing coming now out of left field? Come on, you ever had something come up and you say, oh, well, uh, you know what? I think I want to be an astronaut. Okay, that's fine. But where did that come from? Did you just, uh, you know, watch uh, Apollo 13 on TV and just decide I want to be an astronaut? Or is this something that's been festering in you for some years? Or did you just see something and make a spontaneous decision? Come on. Does it harmonize with my personal desires? What specific guidance can I discern? Have I sought mature counsel? That's where many of us fail as young people. Come on. Come on. Those of us who are older now, you can look back and you can say, there are some decisions I made that I kind of wish I would have sought some mature counsel on. Come on. I don't know. I know for me, I can't speak for you, but I know I can say that. Here's one. Have I exercised common sense? My grandmother used to say, boy, you don't have good common sense. <laughs> now, as I said, I know we want to be spiritual, and we are. We are spiritual beings. Listen, we follow the Holy Spirit. Lord, what you're saying, not my will, but your will be done. I want to pray, and I want to pray in tongues, and I want to seek God, and I want to hear from the heavenlies. But God does all those things. He's also given you something called common sense. You know the difference between some basic right and wrong. Come on. Have you exercised your basic common sense? So these are some, some things we can use in making some decisions in our life. Today, I just want to share with you for a few moments about life principles, the reality of life, life principles. And we're going to be talking about this for the next couple of weeks as we wrap up this series. We're dealing today with life principles, and they, they act as a guide to our actions. What principles in my life, ask yourself this question, are non-negotiable. I never negotiate this principle. I don't let emotions push it around. I don't let my experiences push it around. It is the principle in which I live by. Ask yourself that question. What principle or principles in your life are there? And you say, I am not going to violate this particular principle. Can you right now think of maybe three or four principles that you live by that are non-negotiable? What would they be? What are the principles that you would never violate or you have violated and have paid the price or suffered consequences for? And you say, I knew I shouldn't have done that. That, that goes against my principles. I remember a time when I was very young and I was, I was a teenager and I had an opportunity, me and a friend of mine, to sell Coca-Cola at the uh, Ohio State football games. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, and grew up, you know, a big Buckeye fan. Of course, now I'm a big Hoosier fan, so I'm a Hoosier eye, you know, sort of. I haven't left all of the Buckeye stuff. I know you've been praying it out of me, I know, but uh, it's kind of still there. And uh, so, I, you know, I used to go to the games, and the stadium is just magnificent there. I mean, it's 100,000 people you know, and they're all going, oh, wait, I-O, and, you know, the whole thing. And uh, we were, were selling Coca-Cola. And I remember this one year, uh, we're playing Florida State. And uh, so it's a big game. And, uh, you know, as we're going through the game, going through the first quarter, and I sell my first, uh, you know, my first rack of, of Coca-Cola and sodas. And I'm standing there, man, I'm watching the game. And people, hey, you know, we'd like to get some soda. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Just, you know. So I'm not making much money because you make, you know, as much as you sell, that's how much money you make. My buddy 
had a harebrained idea. Before I tell you that, let me tell you, I grew up in a, a, a Christian home. I grew up going to church every Sunday. That uh, doesn't mean my house was perfect by any means, but just means I had some principle. At least I heard the word. You know what I mean? And so I had some principles. I never, every time I would go to like the store with friends of mine and they would, you know, steal candy. I would never do that just because, I, not that I didn't want candy. I wanted the candy, but I just felt bad like my mom was watching. I felt like if I did something, as soon as I got home, she'd smack me in the head because she knew that I sn stole a Snickers bar, you know. So I, did, I would go with them, but I never did it. And, uh, you know, so my friends kind of called me preach, uh, not because I preached to them, but just because I was sort of this goody two-shoes. But they all still liked me. They let me hang out with them, you know. And anytime they did something wrong, they would never offer me, you know, whatever it is, a cigarette or whatever it was they were doing. They, they'd all do it, and then they go, no, but not Mike. You know, come on, Mike, but were you not, you know, almost to, as a protective thing. They wouldn't even. So, so I had some principles there. And uh, so we went to this game. My buddy had a harebrained idea. He said, man, we sell these Coca-Colas, and uh, we're making a lot of money. But then when we take it back to the guy, he only gives us like 5% of it back, you know, or 10%, whatever it is. So if I make 30 bucks, if I sell $30 worth of Coke, I get you know, $3 Coca-Cola, let me just make the distinction, uh, you know, Coca-Cola or pop, soda pop, and I only get $3 back. He said, man, he said, what if we sell one whole rack, and then we put the money in our pockets, and then just leave the rack somewhere, and then, you know, we just sneak out. I said, man, I'm going to call him out today, too. I said, William, I said, man, we can't do that. Let's just keep selling. Plus, I want to see the game, man. I was more interested in the football game. That's why I took the job. And, uh, you know, but he kept at me and kept at me. And by halftime, I want to tell you what he had me. He had me. And so I said, all right, all right, William. I said, I tell you what, this, that's fine. I said, after halftime, let's see if the Buckeyes score on their first drive. And after that first drive, we'll do what you're saying. So you have to realize that the people who are over, uh, you know, the concessions and who are over teenagers are not stupid. They have a little thing called common sense that we just talked about. So they got watchers and all this. So anyway, third quarter comes. We put the $30, $30 by the way. Put the third, but, you know, to a teenager, come on, that's quite a few Snickers bars. I mean, that's some, you know, that's some stuff right there. And uh, we put the stuff, the $30 in our pockets. We're amongst a lot of people now. People are everywhere. We put the racks down, and we start trying to sneak away. And the guy says, hey, guys, where are you guys going? Uh, nowhere. Come on with me. Come on with me. So he brought us in there, and uh, you, here's, now here's the, the whole this stupid story I'm telling. Here's the point of the whole story. I had my principles, but I violated them. But here's what got me. So oh, we just got, we got really what I consider a slap on the hand. He, get out, don't come back this year, and you're not going to get any money that you sold, so you boys just go on home. You know, I mean, he didn't even tell our parents, you know. Obviously, they've seen it before. You know, but he said, nope, you're not allowed to sell here anymore, whatever. And, uh, but here's the thing. When the, when the guy was escorting us out, he put his arm around my friend William, and he was saying to him, look, I know this other guy was convincing you to do it because I saw you guys talking. So, look, you got to not hang around people like this. I am devastated. So it's not even so much that I got caught stealing at the Ohio State University. It's that, that this guy thought I was the instigator, and I'm the one who had principles, I thought. So you see, my whole point is violating principles always comes back around to bite you. And the enemy will get you in a worse place than you ever 
thought you would be. Come on. You never get away with violating the principles that God has set in your life. Now, for us, principles are those non-negotiable, non-optional, unconditional laws. They actually govern our actions, and they guide our decisions. And so, can you, you can right now think of some in your mind, maybe, that you, you won't negotiate. But if you look at, especially in our country, uh, you, you look at principles, and you see that the compass has been thrown out. It's been lost, that moral compass I'm talking about. It's been stepped on. We've entered into an age of what I call humanism. We really have. It's, it's an age of existentialism, okay? Pragmatism. That's, that's where we are now. It's, listen, I'll come up. Don't try to tell me what's right and what's wrong. I'll decide what's right and what's wrong. It's the age of doing what I want to do according to my feelings, my desires, and what's reality to me. And I will choose truth however I see it. The truth is negotiable. And it's not, it's not a lie. It's an alternative fact. Come on. So I don't have to agree with you. And I certainly don't have to agree with God because I'm not into archaic Christianity. Come on. First of all, I think God's a little mean. I think, uh, you know, God's a little uh, outdated and the Bible is a little outdated and uh, archaic. And I'm, I'm not going to build my life on a bunch of rules that were written 2,000 years ago. Uh, so we throw that out. Schools have certainly thrown it out. Society has thrown it out. Philosophers throw it out. The news certainly throws it out. Come on, everybody seems to throw out the Bible right away. But here's the thing about the Bible. Whether you believe it or not, the truth is still true. Even though you throw it out, truth never gets thrown out. Truth will always judge you. You must remember that, especially young people. Truth will always judge you. It is always here, and you cannot get rid of truth. Even though you say, I don't believe this, it is still there whether you believe it or not. See, God is God whether you believe God is he, himself or not. God doesn't need you to believe him in order to be God. Our belief is for us, not for God. You have to remember that. Your belief for your healing, if you don't believe that God can heal me, if you don't believe that God can deliver me, if you don't believe that God can save you, then it's, it's not a detriment to God other than his heart because he wants you. doesn't mean he's not a savior. doesn't mean he is not healing. doesn't mean he is not deliverance. It just means you don't believe it and so you won't be delivered. That's all it means. So, so the belief is not for God. It's for you and it's for I. Come on. The truth is still the truth. And so our culture has removed what we would call absolutes. We've removed concrete truth. We removed the thing to say what is right and what is wrong. And so our nation and our culture is now confused. Come on. When it comes to morality, from the kindergarten to the university student, there is much confusion where reality is where there is right and wrong, whether it's true or whether it's really false. Come on. Whether it's really eternal or whether it's really temporal. What is really tolerant? What is really judgmental? Come on. What's really God and how many gods are there? There's much confusion today. 
Come on, in our educational system and in our culture. Uh, we're in the midst of confusion in our culture, and we're reaping the benefits of that confusion because we're non-principled. Uh, we, don't have we don't have things that we will stand for, and we will not negotiate. Come on. There's no right way to do marriage. Come on. There's no right way to raise your children and to discipline your children. There's no right way to live your life in purity. There's no right way to invest your money. There's no right, and on and on and on. Everything is up for debate. But I want to tell you something, not with the Bible. God is black or white. And to some, it sounds so harsh, but I want to tell you something. That stand comes from a place of love. We look at, not us, but people look at it and they say, well, God is so harsh and I just think he's a little mean and, uh, you know, you can't do that because I say so. Listen, it's not just because I say so. It comes from a place of love. He invented the thing. He created the thing. He ought to know how it works. He knows how life works. Come on. And so all of the principles and the rules that are in place for you are not for God, not that he can lord over you, but it's for you because he loves you so much, he wants to see you prosper and live an abundant life. And you don't know how to do it. Newsflash. But we think we do. Look around at our culture. We think we know how to do it. Why should I listen to God? See, everything's up for discussion, but not so when it comes to the Word of God. Because what happens if you don't live according to this Word? The Word of God says that it will judge you. You don't get away with breaking principle ever. You don't, even if it, nothing happens for six months, a year, you don't get away with breaking the principles of God's Word. Come on. Homes are breaking down. We have a moral mess on our hands. We have a truth mess on our hands. We have an educational mess on our hands. They can't fix the educational system. They can't fix the medical system. They can't fix the racial divide in our country. Why? Because they, they, we've, we've gone against the principles of the laws of God. But with all of that, I'm not a doomsday preacher. I want to tell you something that there is hope. Because 2 Chronicles 7.14, you know it. Most of you know it very, very well. If my people, God is saying, I'm not talking about the people in the world. Don't worry about them. Well, these people, I can't believe these politicians and the Congress, and I can't believe those people robbing banks. They, don't, God ain't talking to them. You know who he's talking to? You and me. If my people, which are called specifically by my name, would humble themselves and pray, come on, and seek my face and turn, not the world turn, my people would turn from their wicked ways. This God, I'm, not, I'm not judging you, come on. This is God speaking through his prophet. Then I will hear from heaven. I'll hear it. And I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land that you might live a prosperous, overcoming, abundant life. But what we do is we judge our morals by those that are really flawed or those who are worse than us instead of having 
our own principles. We can't judge ourselves against the culture. We look around and we say, well, look, at least I'm not like that person. That person is really in trouble. I mean, yeah, I have some flaws, but at least I'm not like them. You can't judge yourself and compare yourself to others in society. You must have principles. There must be standards. And when we feel like we can't meet those standards, we can't just lower the standards to where we are. We have to seek the face of God. We have to get the Holy Spirit, get the Word of God in us, and let God do the work. He'll set up a construction site, and He'll begin to build us up to, so that we can now meet the standards. Because you won't live an abundant life, you won't live a prosperous life, unless you meet the standards of the principles of God. You say, well, there are those. I mean, look at those folks that are wicked, and they have riches. Come on. But you know what God said through Joshua? He said, if my word would stay in your mouth, and if you would meditate on it to do all that is written therein, he said, then you will make your way prosperous. And he said something here. Then you will have what? Good success. So the fact that there's good success means that there's bad success. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have good success. And even more than that, I'd rather have God's success. Come on. Come on. Where the canker worm can't eat up. Come on. And the moth can't kill and destroy. That's the success I want. Now, America was polled a few years ago. And the result of this poll was pretty astonishing to me. It was, it was, they, we were asked some questions. You know, would you do this and would you not do this? And people were, yes or no, I would do this. They were asked this question. What would you do for $10 million? $10 million? Did you say 10? Yeah, $10 million. Not $10. Not 10000 Not 100000 not a million, $10 million. What would you do for $10 million? Well, they were asked some questions. And 25% of those who were polled said they would, for $10 million, they would abandon their family. Come on, a father or a mother, whatever it is, I'll just, I, for $10 million, I will abandon my family. I'll just, I'll abandon them. Come on. Another 25% said that they would abandon their church. Well, no surprise there. Should be surprised, but. 23%. I know we have some young people in here. 23% said for $10 million, they would be prostitutes for a week. One week. But look around at your society, folks. I know some of you in here are just appalled. Look around at society. This is what they would say. It's only seven days. It's only sex. I mean, it's not really that bad. That's what they would say. You know it and I know it. But I tell you what, you do that for seven days, you'll be in Jody's office so fast. And she, she ain't going to fix you in one day either. It's going to take some time. I'm serious. Because there's so much more to that. I know it's a serious subject. There's so much more to coming together than just the act. Come on. But 23% said they would be prostitutes for a week. It's just appalling to me. But... 16% for those who live in America said they would give up their American citizenship. I'll give it up. $10 million, I'll give it up. 10% said they would, let, they would withhold testimony that would let a murderer go free. 10% million, come on. 7% said that they would kill a stranger. They would actually commit the act. As long as I don't know them, I'll kill them. Where's my $10 million? 
Come on, this is a real poll. This was the best, it was about eight years ago now. So I don't know if it's worse or better now, but probably. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. Well, I can, no, I can't understand that. <laughs> Watching you. <laughs> Maybe the most deplorable one of all to put your children up for adoption. Come on. As believers, our principles must be rooted in the Word of God. We must not allow our present culture to change our principles, to set our principles. Here's the thing. This is what I'm preaching to you this morning is that it's, we can look at the world and we can look at these statistics and say, oh, it is so appalling. I just cannot believe the world. I just, I, I don't know what they're doing. I'm just going to go to church. But here's the thing about it. It's not up to us just to go to church and leave it alone. We have to do something about it. And it starts with us having principles. That's where it starts. It starts with us not compromising. Because we're a light on a hill. A light that is not to be hid. You are the example. And I am the example. Come on. We have to have principles and we have to live by them. They guide our actions. I said this one before. But Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, in matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, what? Stand like a rock. Don't move. Don't move. You know one of the things that sometimes we do in church, and I'm not faulting you because I've been there myself, but we become judgmental when it comes to style. When we really should be judging principle, and we really should be judging our own principle. Come on. Because Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged, for with whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, he's talking about judgment. You read it. I know in Matthew 6, you want to talk about money, but look at Mark 7. He's talking about judgment. With whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Good measure. Press down. You want to judge people? Press down, shaking together and running over. Come on now. I can show you that. I don't have time today, but it's, he's talking about judgment there. And so we judge style. So if somebody comes in with a piercing or a tattoo, now I know you might not do that. I probably would not do that. Or what they wear. Or maybe it's a different style of music than what you like. You know, you like adult contemporary worship. And the young lady's up here rapping. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Help her, Jesus. You know, she's probably thinking the same thing about you. Listen to that person, listening to that music, putting them to sleep. <laughs> but we let these types of things catch us up. When the principles are going by the wayside, the matter of truth, the matter of, come on, I'll say, the matter of homosexuality when it comes to marriage in our society, the matter of fornication and adultery, the matter of stealing as it, as it pertains to money. Come on. We let these things go by, but we argue about style. George Lorimer said this, back of every life, there are principles that have fashioned it. And then Emerson, I love this quote. He said, a man is usually more careful of his money than he is of his principles. What do you care more about? We see that in the poll that was taken. People care more about their money. So what are we talking about here? 
principles are a little different than values. Principles are a little different than convictions. Principles are different than preferences. See, values are traits or qualities that are considered important. They represent our highest priorities and they're deeply held forces that drive us and they drive how we judge and make decisions, how we think and how we live. But those values help to shape our principles. If you can have those values in you, now you can come up with a principle that lines up with that. You can have a clear, it's almost like a mission statement. You can have a clear principle that says, I will not violate this based on my values. Your convictions, convictions are strong personal persuasions or beliefs, being firmly established and convinced of what is right and wrong, aligning our principles and our behavior accordingly. Convictions determine our character. One of my convictions is that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and there's nothing you can tell me that will make me not believe that. That's just a conviction in my heart. That's a conviction. You cannot sway me from that. And so based on that, that helps me to have a principle that I will not violate. What about preferences? Preferences. When faced with difficult decisions, principles may be dropped and preferences take over. Compromising our principles as we live by our own taste, our own happiness, our own enjoyment. Sometimes those things cause us to violate our own principles. Well, it's just this one time. I mean, it doesn't really hurt. I mean, I'm not really, God's not going to send me to hell for this one thing. I have grace. I mean, we have all of these things that we say that allow us in our heart to cross lines at certain times. But we must have clear principles. Deuteronomy 5.32 says this, Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord God has commanded you. Be careful to do this. You shall not turn aside to the left hand or to the right. Come on. Don't turn aside. Be careful. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Man, he has principles. She is immovable. You can count on her. She's trustworthy. It's developed her character. Come on. She's a person of integrity. And now when I'm in trouble, I know who I can go to. Because that person has principles. They'll not sway. Be a person of principles. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and, come on, that's the thing. Don't just hear. It says, does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his, hand, his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Don't you want to be a person like that? Build your house on the rock. Let the rains come. Let the wind come. Come on. Let all of that. Let the flood come. The rain can descend. All of that can come and beat on this house. But guess what? I will not fall because this is the house of God. I know you want to say this is the house of God, but it's only the house of God because we bring God here. Come on. 
This is the house that God built. And it did not fall. Why? Because it's founded on the rock. But, Jesus says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now the rain came. Come on. Floods came. The wind blew. It fell. And great was its fall. See, God is not a God of an in-between. Well, it just fell a little bit. It doesn't happen with God. You're either great and you stand or you fall greatly. It's the word of God. It's the way he is. Come on. So God is telling us, choose principles. Here's the question I have for you today. A couple of questions. Will you act upon life or will you merely be acted upon? Will you take proactive responsibility for determining your actions and destination? Remember, today is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice in this day, and I will be glad in it. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Will you act upon life, or will you let life act upon you? Come on, somebody. It's time. You may be a person that says, all my life I've let life act upon me. Bad things have happened. You know, I've been in this bad thing. There's a bad marriage. I had this bad job. I grew up in my family and it was a, a bad childhood and a bad this and a bad that. And I know all those things are bad, but look, it's time to stop letting life act upon you. Now you're at a place where you're responsible. God has shown you the way. He's given you his word. He's poured out his spirit. And now I can look in the mirror and say, Michael, there are no more excuses. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care who offended you and what happened. But I can stand here today and say, now I will act upon life. And it starts with the word of God and it starts with principles that he's put in my heart. So you need to ask that question. What are you going to do? Which way will you go? Which path will you take? Will you live your life in accordance with biblical proven principles? Or will you suffer the consequences of not doing so? Ask yourself that question today. Listen, I don't care how much debt you're in. I don't care how many bridges you've burned. Nothing you can do about it. I would tell you, hey, you shouldn't have done that. But guess what? It's already done. I can't go back and undo it. But I can stand here today and look to the future with my hand to the plow, not looking backward, pressing toward the mark, forgetting those things that are behind me. Come on. For the prize of the high calling, you're still breathing, aren't you? I don't see anybody in here that's killed over dead yet. I hope not. Still breathing, you can do it. Let me leave you with just a couple of examples, ones that you know, some people in the Bible that you know, that live by principles and reap the benefits. First of all, Joseph. You know Joseph. Come on. You remember in Genesis 39. You remember when this beautiful woman, who happened to be married, come on, to his boss, by the way, came on to him. Boss is not around. He's off doing his thing. No one will ever know. Nobody's there. Just me and her. And I, I'm not even trying hard. but I got to say no. Why? 
Not because you're not beautiful. Not because my flesh doesn't want to. I'm talking realistic here. Come on. But because God has given me some principles. And I'm going to live by the principle. Joseph lived by the principle of honoring God at all times. And it wasn't just lip service. In private, in public, come on. He would not bend his morals to compromise his integrity. Joseph lived by the principle that God is sovereign over all circumstances. He lived by the principle that when they cost him suffering and abuse, he would not go that way. Come on. What about David? David was a man who made many mistakes. And not just many mistakes, he made some major mistakes. Come on. You know, read the life of David. You'll see, you think you messed up in life? Read the life of David. Here's a man who blew it big time. He, he violated some commandments. Come on now, you know that's serious. But he had God's heart. He had God's heart. He respected the principle of authority. Even though Saul was a bad king and he had opportunity, it didn't change the principle of honoring authority. Didn't change it for him. David would not take advantage of the circumstance and use it for his own good. He treated the king properly. David's words to Saul is one of the most amazing reconciliation pleas in all of Scripture. As he ends his speech to Saul, he moves his focus away from Saul to looking at authority higher above the king. He appealed to the Lord God Almighty, and he said, Lord God, you be our judge. You, God, decide the dispute. You, God, consider the cause. You, Lord, uphold it. And finally, you, Lord, vindicate me. David would not be moved. Finally, what about Daniel? You know Daniel. He had some immovable principles. I mean, God said, look, I want you to be in touch with me. I want you to pray. King said, nobody's praying. I'm king of the land. I'm issuing a decree. David said, I, I listen to the king. I will follow the king of this land right up to the point that it violates God's word. And not only will I pray, but my window will be open because I'm following God. Daniel had a mindset that was made up and saw it as a done deal. Daniel was determined to obey the Lord, honor God, serve God, and do what his conscience dictated to him no matter what. One of the most Interesting things about Daniel's situation to me is this. Think about this for a moment. Daniel influenced three other young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, greatly to a non-compromising life of living godly convictions. And they were able to stand on those convictions. Why? Because a man that they looked to would not compromise his principles. 
So not only when you do that are you blessing yourself because the blessings of the Lord are upon you. Not only are you accepting the blessings, but you're influencing others. You're influencing your son and your daughter. You're influencing your coworkers. You're influencing those around you when you stand on your principles. Daniel did not bend, compromise, or sell out his principles when tested. Daniel was promoted because God honors those who will not compromise. Those who firmly hold their beliefs will be blessed, favored, and promoted in due season. So I guess what it boils down to for us in a very practical message that God is giving us is that yes, you can look around you. Yes, you can look at the statistics. Yes, you can see the immorality in our nation and in the world. Yes, you can say, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. What can we do? But what God is urging us today, you and me, to do is to evaluate our principles. Don't get into political, don't get sucked into the political arguments on Facebook. Come on. Come on, I'm talking to you this morning. Don't let the world suck you into all those things. And I realize we all have opinions and all of that. But the devil, listen to me, the devil is turning our heads. And you know how the devil does it. He'll take a bunch of truth and he'll throw in a couple little lies, a couple little offenses. And before you know it, we'll be so far off, we've forgotten God. Now we're arguing with each other. Come on, now our nation and our world is being torn apart. Why? Because we're arguing over politics. Because we're arguing over things that are taking our mind off of the presence of God. What God is saying, seek my face while I may be found. Because in my presence, there is what? Come on, somebody. Fullness of joy. And at my right hand, there are pleasures evermore. So ask yourself, do I have any principles that I just will not violate? And if you don't, get into the Word of God. And I guarantee you, the more you get into the Word of God, the more you'll discover there are principles that need not be violated. And when I'm able to do that, when I'm able to stand, first of all, I'll live a blessed life. Secondly, I'm going to influence others. You want to be a great evangelist? Live a principled life. Have character and integrity. That's greater than standing in some pulpit preaching to people. What was it? I believe it was St. Augustine. It may have been somebody else, but you, you know it well, the saying. We need to preach at all times and sometimes for 